1: and their dog
2: ninja Hey guys, and welcome to the midweek episode 6. Well, I think that's supposed to be 6. As you can tell, I'm still sick.
0: <laughs> that would be the number 6. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
2: so tonight's show is really cool because we've got a I think it's a it's a very short story, but it's awesome mm-hmm. because we've not covered one like this. Okay. And then we have the first time ever on our show, a pet psychic. Oh,
0: my gosh. I know. How exciting. So we've got
2: Carrie Kennedy coming on a little bit later. She was on an episode of Ghost Brothers, and she did a live reading. I will not tell you anything about it other than the fact that it got a little bit emotional. Aww. So I didn't know what to expect, and I was completely blown away by some stuff that she told me. Aww. And I understand a lot of people, once again, oh, my God, it's a pet psychic. I mean, what she tell you? Did your dog bark? Uh, did he climb, Was he happy to see you when you got home? It, it wasn't anything like that. I mean, she got into specifics mm-hmm. that she couldn't have known. Yeah,
0: there's no way she could have
2: known. So, well, I still have a voice. Let's get through this story. All right. So, like I said, this story is unique. I don't have some important details because this story was kind of told uh, to be fairly anonymous. Okay. So I don't have. We've changed the names. Or we didn't change it, but it was changed already when I got it. And I changed it again because I didn't like the last name. So I changed it. Well, damn. I'm a rebel. (laughs) This is what I do know. It takes place in a little small town in Texas, and it was in 1993. So we're going to call the subject of tonight's show Betty Simpson.
0: Eddie Simpson. Oh, Betty. Betty. Betty Simpson. Simpson.
2: She's an elementary school librarian, okay? And her and her husband, they live on a farm that's pretty close to the school. It's like within a couple of miles of the school that she uh, works at. One night in the summer, her and her husband, they're asleep in the room. They're just, you know, like anybody else, they're just out. Now, their bedroom had a security light right on the outside of it. So the, the room was never really completely dark at nighttime. Yeah. They usually had the, the drapes drawn so that it would cut out most of the light. but On this particular night, they didn't. So there was some decent light coming in the room. Betty just suddenly wakes up one night. The room's completely illuminated. She looks to her right, and she's startled to see a little boy standing by her bed. I would be too. <laughs> she said that he was looked extremely real, but he was somewhat translucent. Mm-hmm. She says that he looks like he was about seven or eight years old. He had fair skin with blonde hair, big blue eyes, but he had dark circles underneath of them. Aw. His clothes looked like they were from a completely different era, more like a child would wear in, in the early 1900s. He said he had a collarless button-up shirt, long socks tucked into his knickers, and some old-fashioned high-button-up boots.
0: No, he sounds adorable. <laughs> Please, ma'am, could
2: I have some more? (laughs) (laughs) She said, she looked at him and said, who are you? What do you want? And as soon as she said the words, he vanished. Her husband woke up, though, and asked, what did you say? Mm -hmm. And she told him about the little boy, and, and he said, you're just dreaming. So he proceeded to roll back over and go right back to sleep. So she thought about this encounter the entire summer. School starts back in late August, and Betty's in the library, and there's a group of first graders just kind of running around doing their thing in the library. The first grade teacher walks up to her with a little boy. She explained that this child was late in enrolling, and she wanted to introduce him to her so she she would know that he's part of the group now. You're right. As soon as Betty bent down to look at this boy, she knew it was the same boy.
0: (gasps) Oh, my gosh.
2: Same blonde hair, blue eyes, same dark circles under his eyes. Now, she said his clothes weren't like they were that night in the bedroom, but they were different than the other kids. They were a little bit more old-fashioned, unlike the jeans and T-shirts yeah. that the other kids were wearing. Betty apparently had this totally stunned expression on her face because the teacher <laughs> looked at her and asked if everything was okay. Yeah. Yeah. And she said all she could get out was, "Uh uh-huh. So she's told this little boy's name is Jeffrey. So Betty looks at him and asked if if he was new in town. Mm -hmm. Here's where it gets creepy. He said, yes and no. Then he said, I know you. I've always known you.
0: He said that to Betty?
2: Yes. It sent chills down her spine.
0: Oh, my gosh.
2: All year, Jeffrey would try and sit as close to he he could to her chair. Aw. She said he didn't seem to want to play with any of the other kids, and there was often times when she would just catch him staring at her. Sometimes he would lean over and whisper, You know I've always known you.
0: Does she ever ask why?
2: It doesn't say that. She said all the books that he would check out would be old-fashioned with pictures from the 1800s and the early 1900s. She said he wasn't interested in books like Ninja Turtles and stuff like that that the other kids were into at the time. She said the following year, he came
0: back. You mean he goes like for a year at a time before he talks to her?
2: No, he came back to school. Oh. Like as a second grader.
0: Oh, okay. okay.
2: So he comes back as a second grader the next year. She said he's starting to mix in with the other kids and stuff more. But he also still continues to tell her, I know you. I've always known you.
0: I, what the hell? How <laughs> I mean, how come she never asked?
2: I don't know. I don't know that she didn't ask. I just don't know that he gave her an answer.
0: That's so bizarre. That's creepy. It. I mean, it is creepy.
2: She said she thinks that it may have something to do with reincarnation.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's what he's talking about. And that's why the old style clothes and... All that stuff, but she's not sure.
0: I don't even know how she didn't ask. I'm, I want to know. How does he know her? <laughs> don't you want to know?
2: I want to know, but it's anonymous. What am I going to do?
0: I guess nothing.
2: I barely got time to write down these stories, let alone try to play detective and track this woman down.
0: That's true, man. I'd love to know the answer to that.
2: Oh, well, if Warner wanted to know what love is, you know, I can't help them out either. <laughs> 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 so the reason I told this story was because we had to have a story for the beginning of the show
0: <laughs> a now, the, reason I,
2: the reason i told this story is because it dealt possibly with reincarnation and you'll find out in the interview that we did with carrie we talk a little bit about reincarnation throughout that it's kind of a common theme mm-hmm. so let's go ahead and listen to carrie real quick right after this sponsor break hey guys this is a first for our show And I'm really excited about this. We've had a lot of guests on, but we've never had a pet psychic on. So I want to welcome Carrie Kennedy to the show. Carrie, thanks for coming on.
1: Thank you for having me. Happy to be here.
2: So I'm I'm sure there's a lot of people out there. And I'm not going to say that at one point I haven't been one of these people, but my eyes have changed a lot in the last three years with stuff that I've seen and researched. But there's probably a lot of people when I say pet psychic that are probably shaking their head and saying, are you kidding me? Oh, sure. How do you overcome that initial skepticism?
1: You know, I think it's really healthy to be skeptical. I always say the, the people who are meant to come to me will come to me and find me. And I always say until you've had an experience with me or somebody who does what I do, you don't really know what I do. And so people who people are just going to believe what they want to believe, right? So. Until you've had that experience or you've needed help or you've needed um, guidance from a pet psychic or psychic medium, and you go to that person and you get the help you need, you're not going to know. And so, you know, the student always seeks out the teacher, right?
2: Yep. I agree.
1: Yeah. Okay to be skeptical.
2: But this all kind of started back during an incident when you were six years old. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I was attacked by a dog when I was six years old, and, you know, I've always been really sensitive, I think, to the feelings of animals, and so I sensed this dog was was just miserable. It was tied up. It was tethered to a chain in the yard, and, you know, it just looked miserable, and, of course, me. You know, I had to go comfort it, right, and it immediately attacked me, and it was a bad, bad attack, and I had to get 20 stitches that day, multiple plastic surgeries afterwards, I mean, it could have killed me. It was really bad. And, you know, I think that that even heightened my awareness of animals and kind of made me even more in tune with them. And I think even from that early age on, I I wanted to be a voice for the animals and say, Okay. that that dog was definitely abused and neglected. Right. So. I I knew even then that I wanted to be a voice for the animals and say, this is not okay to, uh, you know, abuse or neglect your dog.
2: What point in your life did you realize that you had a gift and started using it for the purpose of helping others?
1: You know, not until my 30s. I'm 42 now. And when I was in my 20s, I started I started writing in journals and my handwriting started changing. So I was really doing automatic writing. And at the time I didn't even know what that was, but it's when you channel spirit and that kind of scared me. And so I put it away for a while, but in my thirties, a close relative of mine died and I was like, all right, you know, I know I can hear you. Can you just tell me that you're okay? And he did. And he started talking to me and that's when the floodgates kind of opened. And I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. Like, why am I not using this gift to help people? And so I did. I started practicing on friends and family members. And I think the first reading I ever did was on one of my friends. And I was like, hey, are you pregnant? She said, no, but I just had a miscarriage a couple days ago. And I said, well, who's Noni? And she said, well, that was my great-grandmother. And I said, well, Noni wants you to know that your daughter she has your daughter and she's going to send your daughter back in four months. And sure enough, she got pregnant for like four months later with her daughter.
2: Oh, that's awesome.
1: So at that point, and that was about 10 years ago. And so at that point I knew like, okay, there's, there's definitely something here and I'm supposed to be giving these messages. And so I started just doing psychic mediumship for people. And the more I started doing that, the more animals started coming through from the other side. And so ever since then, I've kind of honed that skill of talking to animals on the other side and then started reading live animals, too. And I've you know, made a career out of talking to live and, and animals who are on the other side and also talk to uh, people, tune in to people and who are here and on the other side.
2: From the other side. People always ask, and we we read a lot of stories and talk about a lot of stories on the show where animals come back from the past, and pets are always there. and And I read one uh, site when we were doing haunted, we did a, a a whole show before on animals that come back, and one of the sites that I read said that animals and humans have such a bond that when an animal bonds to you in life, they are with you forever even in the afterlife. Is that kind of your thought on the process too?
1: That's absolutely what happens. And they tell me that over and over that we reincarnate together and throughout several lifetimes, and they're constantly telling me, you know, I tell her I've been with her for four lifetimes or 12 lifetimes, and we'll be together for many more lifetimes. And they do tell me it's rare to come back in the same lifetime, but that, you know, you know, to reincarnate together in this lifetime together but that we you know we come back together in other lifetimes as different and not just as a dog say they'll come back and be your sister or your mother or they go back and forth between species. Oh wow. Which I think is really cool.
2: It is cool. You know, when I'd heard somebody before talk about um they were talking about the suicide situation and mm-hmm. you know there there was a lot of people back in in older religions and even the Catholic religion, but they've changed their tune a little bit that if you committed suicide, that was an automatic damnation, and that was it and I was listening to somebody talk about suicide, and they said that you know when you went back as a spirit after a suicide that you just went through extra training because you didn't do something right you didn't handle this life the way that you you were uh supposed to. Sorry. And that whole thing more or less just was kind of cool to me at the same time, knowing that, that, you know, even if you make a mistake like that, that's not the end for you. It's not damnation. But they also said that after the training and such, that you could sometimes come back as a butterfly or you could come back as uh, an animal or something like that. So. That's that's you know I always thought that was cool that you could go back and forth between species if you wanted to.
1: Yeah, and that's that's what the feeling that they give me too. Yeah, that's exactly what they tell me is is there is no hell on the other side like many religions teach, and that oftentimes we play well we do plan our birth and our life and our death before we get here. There's a planning process and we plan that we are going to commit suicide. That's in our life script. And we are here for earth school. And so just because we commit suicide doesn't mean we're damned to hell. You know, we go back and we have a planning process again and we review our life and um, we come back again to learn and, and do things over probably better the next time i love i love that idea you know
2: yeah better too so you've done a lot of readings are there Mm -hmm. any that really stand out as like the most rewarding ones you've done some that just just make your heart just a little warmer than some of the other ones
1: oh gosh you know with 10 years worth i think that it'd be hard to pinpoint one of them i think The ones that where children are involved, you know, children and their animals, I think are the most touching ones where children are on the phone and they've been really connected to an animal and they, and they're the ones that get closure and peace. I think that always touches my heart the most because I'm able to help the child through that grieving, you know, it, it gives my heart a lot of joy to help any person get through the suffering and the grieving of losing an animal that they've had for ten years, fifteen years, twenty years—that it just really touches my soul to be able to do that for them and and let them know that their their this is not the end, that their animal is still with them, that their animal's okay. You know, you know. Anytime I can bring through really specific evidence and let them know without a doubt that their animal is still with them. And that their animal is talking to them. That's my goal for every mediumship reading is to let, for whether it's people or an animal reading, is to let that person know without a doubt that their person or animal is talking to them from the other side. And that's why it's called evidential mediumship. You know, if I can walk away just giving them one ounce of peace, I've done my job.
2: So let me ask you this. What are some of the more unique type of animals that you've done readings for?
1: Well, I've actually talked to a lot of different species. I've talked to river otters. I've talked to sugar gliders, to turtles, um, talked to snakes. I mean, you name it. Um, horses, of course, dogs, cats. Really anything you can think of. I've talked to rats. Anything you can think of. I, I do have a couple that have stood out. You know, some that have been pretty funny. Like um, a cat once told me about, you know, its parents making whoopee uh, <laughs> and being too loud because you know we hear at twenty five thousand hertz and and cats dogs hear at forty five thousand hertz and and cats hear at sixty four thousand hertz. So just remember that when you've got the music on and the TV on really loud, they get their ears get really sensitive when you're doing other things in the house. They they hear everything. <laughs> <laughs> so that was probably my most memorable reading that I've ever done. But um they notice everything you think they don't, but they really do.
2: Do you notice any difference between the animals as far as are the are like the spirit situations exactly the same like if you didn't know it was an iguana would you know that it was different than a horse or something you know what I'm saying or is or is it all pretty much the same spirit that's just different animals and species
1: Well I always require a picture before I tune in to the animal so I always know what the animal was before I you know, tune into that animal. So I have an, uh, I guess, an unfair advantage, but I mean, they always come through as kind of an enlightened being on the other side. When, when they get into the spirit world, they have this different perspective. I don't know if I answered your question or not, but no, you did.
2: What about animals that were abused? I mean, and this is a question that I've thought of before about, you know, reincarnation and stuff. Let's say you come back as a dog, but then you happen to end up with somebody who's just like the worst human ever you know mm-hmm. that kind of sucks if you come back and choose to be a dog and then you end up in an abusive situation what do you mm-hmm. what are the thought processes on something like that i mean cuz once you're here you're kind of stuck
1: you know yeah and i believe that the dog chose that person that that dog had a soul contract to be with that abusive or neglectful person even though it was really tough uh so that that soul could learn and evolve and grow from that person for whatever reason. So maybe, and I believe it's karma balancing. So maybe that dog was mean to that soul in another lifetime.
2: Huh? Interesting.
1: As weird as that sounds to me, that's the only explanation for it. It's kind of like, why does a child choose to have cancer and come back and have cancer and die of cancer when they're six, you know, or five or it's just, It doesn't seem fair, but to me, spirit says life is always fair because it's all we're all balancing the energy and we're all learning here to learn and evolve and grow. That's why we keep coming back and doing it over and over.
2: I want to bring up something that you mentioned earlier, because it just dawned on me when we started talking about, you know, choices and having the ability to come back. You you spoke about the, the friend you had that had the miscarriage. And Mm -hmm. that Nona said, I'm going to send her back to you in four months. How would a situation Mm -hmm. like that work? Because it doesn't sound like that the actual uh, soul of the child actually would have a say. So in that matter, if someone else has the ability to send something back, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, and that's a good question. Um, I mean, I'm sure she did have a choice, but I think the grandmother was there to help assist that, that birth again. Since she was a part of that soul family. And yeah, and I asked the same question of her at the same time, like, you know, what was, you know, because they were soul, souls tend to reincarnate together in soul groups. And so I think they were just all part of that soul group together.
2: Interesting. Let's talk about this real quick. Is it my understanding that you were on an episode of Ghost Brothers?
1: I was. That was a yes. That was a fantastic experience. I was on their premiere episode of Ghost Brothers Haunted House Cast.
2: That's awesome. Those yeah. guys are phenomenal.
1: Yes. Oh, those guys are just hilarious. Wonderful guys. Wonderful people.
2: Now I haven't seen the episode. Was, was you were you actually there in person, or was this over a phone situation?
1: I was there in person with them in a very haunted house in Saginaw, Michi- Michigan. in in a place called the wedding cake house. And it was extremely haunted and, uh, helping the ghost brothers do their paranormal investigation inside the haunted house.
2: Now, did they have you on because they were wanting something to do with animals or just because of the, the psychic medium that you are period.
1: There were actually animals who died on the property because of the paranormal activity going on. That part of course did not make the, the cut. I filmed for about six hours, but, um, you know, of course, ten minutes made the show because of you know it's only right. whatever forty five minutes. But um, you know they they used my mediumship, uh, psychic mediumship abilities, and they showed about ten minutes of that. So that was pretty fun. I actually got pushed by an entity, and luckily Jawan was standing in front of me and caught me, so that I, I didn't go face forward into a mirror. Uh, no. It's pretty crazy episode. Yeah.
2: Really cool. Now, you have, like I said, we, we've we talked about a little bit about you can get in tune with animals that are alive now. And mm-hmm. kind of get, yep. get in touch with them, find out what might be bothering them, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And do you think that that ties in directly to the same psychic mediumship as tuning into a spirit that's passed over or do you think there's a there is a difference does everybody have that ability that has a psychic mediumship i guess is you know what i would ask
1: yeah i mean i think all all psychic mediums can can use their same abilities uh it's it's all telepathic communication it's all using claircognizant clairvoyance you know the ability to see images in your in your mind or you know i get in my mind i get words in my mind. Um, I feel things. I know things. I get my information, you know, five different ways. So it just, you know, people get their information in different, you know, using different methods and yeah, it's using the same muscle. It's all telepathic communication. It's all spirit. It's all asking spirit and my guides and angels to, to give me the information. So yeah, absolutely. It's just using a different kind of mode to um you know method to to go in and ask the animals the same questions it just takes a little practice that's all
2: okay very cool well are you ready for me to put you on the spot sure <laughs> absolutely so when, when i initially contacted you to come on the show uh, this was basically all that i had planned was just talking, learn a little bit about you and what you do and mm-hmm. you offered if i had a pet that had uh, passed on to send you a picture and you would do a reading on the air. So we've not talked about this other than the fact that I sent you a picture. Uh, you, mm-hmm. know, you know nothing about the situation other than the dog has passed. And uh, yes. you said that you were going to give a reading on the air, which I think was very cool for you to do. Yeah. And I greatly appreciate that. So I'm going to turn it over to you and, and let you do what you do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and you sent me a picture. of Ch- Is this Chocho? Correct. Okay, Chocho. All right. Well, usually I actually turn it to you and say, what questions do you want to ask without giving anything away? What question do you want to ask Chocho?
2: Okay. I do. Have
1: I, a, I, I am going to bring through things, but what do you want to ask him anything?
2: I do have something because okay. something unique happened with him. Uh, he mm-hmm. just, he just kind of disappeared and, okay. uh, you know, and this was, you know, a long time ago, obviously. So, I mean, I know he's not still around, but he mm-hmm. just kind of disappeared, and I never had the closure of knowing what actually happened to him.
1: Yeah, so I can tell you how he died. He has shown me that he had an aneurysm that he that he left because he just needed to go and die. And animals will oftentimes just leave or hide because they do need to go and die. And that's what I tell people is that you know animals in the wild they'll just go and hide under a bush where they'll just go and hide because that's what they do. But oftentimes it's harder for animals to cross over here because, you know, we try to keep them alive with food and medicine and water and it's harder for them. Right. Mm-hmm. But he's saying he had an aneurysm. Okay. And he's showed me a lot of woods, like a big wooded area. Interesting. Um, he's, he's saying 12. Was he 12?
2: He was Thirteen, I think, uh, 13. but but we but we've got sure? him. He was supposedly two years old, and so that could have actually been off from what we knew.
1: Yeah, because he's saying I was twelve. I was twelve, and he's talking about having an August birthday. Did you know his birthday?
2: I did not know his birthday, but interesting. Yeah, interesting enough, our our newest dog, uh, Ninja, is has an August birthday.
1: Okay, yeah, because Chocho's saying his birthday was August seventh.
2: Hmm. It very possibly could have been.
1: Yeah. And then he's also showing me a train. Do you guys live near a train tracks? Uh,
2: at the time when he went missing, yes, we did live near a train tracks and some woods.
1: Okay. Because he's showing me a train track. So I feel like his body might have been near the train tracks. Hmm. Okay. Um, but he wants you to focus on his life and not his death. Okay because he said that you obsessed and still think about it to this day about his death. And he wants you to focus on the really good times that you guys had. Okay. And I asked him, I I always tune in and try to write things down before I talk to an animal and do a reading. And so I've, I've written a couple things down. Um, He wants to talk about the good things about his life. And so you can focus on his legacy. Okay. And he says that now he sends you birds. Did you know that?
2: That what was that? I didn't hear I'm the, sorry? I didn't hear what you said.
1: He said that now he sends you birds.
2: Oh, well. He sends
1: you birds to make him think of him. I don't know if you knew that or not.
2: Did not know that, but I do see a lot of birds and I I love looking at birds, so.
1: Yeah, and he sa- he says he purposely sends you birds to remind you of him. And he's bringing up a thing about donuts. I don't know if you get fed him donuts or there was an <laughs> incident with donuts.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the the dog was very strange in the fact that there was very little that he would actually eat. He wouldn't eat dog food, wouldn't eat a lot of meat, but he would eat cheese. Like, that was the main thing he would eat. Not very, you know, nutritious for a dog, but that's the main thing he would eat. And he loved donuts. So, you know, we would get Krispy okay. Kreme and he would well, eat Well, he's,
1: th- he's wanting to say thank you for the donuts. Hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. And did you give him like little white powdered donuts? Yep. Yep. He's saying thank you for the powdered donuts. <laughs> he loved the powdered donuts. I've never heard a dog tell me powdered donut, but that that's a that's a first. And he's talking about the little walks that you took him on when he was younger. Yep. He he's talking about loving your walks. Is that something you guys did frequently every day?
2: Yeah. I wish we did that more with the one we got now, but time-wise, it was a lot better back then.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, he's talking about loving those walks and and, uh, watching the squirrels and the birds, and he just loves doing that with you. Now, he is talking about a fire station, too. Did you guys live near a fire station at the time? Yep. Yep. Yeah, because he's talking about the fire truck and the fire station, and he liked going past that. And he would hear the fire trucks a lot. He said,
2: "Yep, where we lived, you always heard the fire trucks. No doubt about that."
1: Yeah, and then do you did you have knee issues at the time?
2: Yes, yes, I yes.
1: did. Because he's saying that was my role in Daddy's life was to help heal his knees. Um, and you know, uh, animals all animals are healers, but he was specifically a healer for you. He said, "I helped heal his knees." Dog and then he's right. also talking about a blue blanket he loved. Was that on your bed or what was that?
2: Yeah, it was a blue University of Kentucky blanket.
1: Okay. He loved that blanket, he said. And then who is the black dog he's talking about?
2: Uh, I, well, we had another dog that was black and white named Pepper at one point.
1: That lived with him? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so he's acknowledging this dog. And this dog is now crossed.
2: Yes, yes, he crossed yeah, actually before yeah. him.
1: Yeah, because he's he's making me feel like he's with this dog now. Okay, and then did he sneeze a lot, or was this you sneezed a lot?
2: No, that was him. He sneezed a lot.
1: Okay, <laughs> and then he's also talking about seizures. Did he have seizures? Did you know?
2: Um, I think towards the end there were some times that he probably had some type of seizures. Uh,
1: yeah, he's. Uh, make- yeah, he's making me feel like there was some some brain activity that was um that was going on with him some seizures and and I think he had like a major seizure and then like an aneurysm that stopped his heart like the, that led to just his heart stopping and that's how he died outside.
2: Yeah, he um he definitely towards the last year year and a half was um, having issues it was you know having trouble controlling his bowels he was and and you know he was potty trained obviously to go outside and and it was never an issue but as he got older it started becoming an issue and stuff so i I knew Mm -hmm. that that you know the time was coming
1: Yeah. He's coming through, though, with so much gratitude and and saying he had a really good life with you. And he's saying thank you for that. And he's showing me my symbol for love, Tell him I love him, which is they show me licking you on the nose, which is always my symbol for love. So he's coming through with a lot of love and gratitude, which dogs almost every Well, I think every dog comes through with that, that for people I talk to. So he that's. He's telling me that he was a very happy dog with you.
2: We definitely did our best to um, make him the family, you know, part of the family.
1: Yeah, yeah. Is there anything you want to ask him?
2: I just—I guess I would want to ask him if he had to do it all over again, would he do it?
1: He just said yes. Good. He just said yes, and he just said we're going to. So you are going to see him again. You know, like I've talked about, I talked about earlier, you're going to see him again. And when you cross over, you will see him. You will, you will see a spirit. I don't think it's going to be in this lifetime. He's not going to come back in this lifetime, but you are going to see him on the other side.
2: And that's kind of funny because the dog we got now, you know, we, he was a Maltipoo. And mm-hmm. the dog we got now is a Maltese, but when we picked him out, we wouldn't necessarily looking for a Maltese. And this mm-hmm. one just stood out. And it reminded me of Cho. So we got this one. But I can, can't tell you at how many times, you know, Cho passed away about 18 years ago. It's been a long time. Mm. I can't tell you how many times I'll walk up to this dog that we've had for seven years now and accidentally call him Cho. Yeah. Yeah. So well,
1: and I'm sure that Cho manipulates that dog's energy a lot, but that's not him reincarnated.
2: Yeah, well, that, because was, that, that was my dog, question. Your dog
1: now can see him, can see his spirit. They can see ultraviolet light, so they can see animals and people on the other side. And they can manipulate current dog's energy.
2: Yeah, that was but, always, always going to yeah. be my question, was if, if that was a reincarnation, because, I mean, he does a lot of the similar things, which I know they're similar breeds, so that makes sense. Yes,
1: yeah. He, he's probably just manipulating his energy. He's definitely still around you very strongly. And, you know, if you've got such a strong soul connection with an animal, they usually stick around and they're, you know, they serve as a guide, as a spiritual guide for you and still as a healer from the other side.
2: Carrie, I appreciate you coming on. Why don't you tell everybody how they can keep up with you, how they can get a hold of you if they would like to have their own reading?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, You can definitely email me. My email is mypetpsychic at gmail.com i'm on facebook at Carrie kennedy pet and people psychic and my last name is spelled funny it's k-e-n-a-d-y and then i'm on instagram just pet psychic
2: guys i would highly advise you to check out her her website and like i said if you want to get a reading you can see you know she's dead on on most of the stuff she she said to me and i'm not knowing anything but the dog's name and a picture, that's pretty phenomenal because some of that stuff, you know, how would you know about the white donuts and the blue blanket and all that stuff? So, um, pretty impressive. So I want to thank you and uh, on behalf of myself, uh, and my family, cause I know my kids will probably listen to this and they'll get a big kick out of this.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it.
2: Well, thank you, Carity. And we'll talk to you soon.
1: That sounds good. Thank you.
2: Okay, so it's possible that I might have got a little emotional during the interview. So what? Whatever. Well,
0: it? I think you should be emotional. <laughs> that was very touching, actually.
2: So anyway, guys, next week we get a combination of motivational speaking with uh, Tim Frick and. Uh, he, he goes into some details. His podcast that he does is motiv- about motivational, just mm-hmm. keeping people up. It's a really funny show. You're going to love this guy. He's got a, the most awesome personality. Mm-hmm. And But then he's getting ready to start another podcast where it's conspiracy theories. So we talk about three conspiracy theories, and uh, I think you guys will like it. Awesome. So I'll get my um, Marge Simpson voice off here, and we'll see you next week.
0: <laughs> Bye.